Good morning and welcome to episode 41 of the Banish to the Pen podcast. I'm Ken Maeda, uh, no relation. Uh, I'm one of the editors at the site uh, and I'm still joined by your regular host, uh, Baron, flying Ryan Sullivan. Hey, hey. Uh, and, he's, hey and you're out in uh, Maryland? I am back in Maryland in the Natch GM studios where I normally record. It's good to talk to you, Ken. little role reversal. I like it. Yeah, I think you're kind of like doing a... DH duties today, like the half day off. I like it. I can definitely handle the DH on uh, Saturday. So, okay. And uh, I'm also joined by two writers for the site, uh, two major contributors this year. Uh, Alex Cristofoli in DC proper. Uh, happy to be here. And it's good to have you on. And I'm also joined by Eric Roseberry in Lafayette, Indiana. How are you, Eric? I'm doing well. How's it going? So um, this Tuesday is the first anniversary of the site, so um, I wanted to have uh, <laughs> yeah, it's good to have um, Eric and Alex on. They've been two uh, really uh, key contributors for the site this year, and also Ryan. He's been there like almost every week with the show, so uh, and you've all been uh, huge parts of the site. So uh, thanks for being on. And um, I think we'd be remiss not to mention the site would not exist without Ken, um, who probably does as much work behind the scenes as anybody so there you go well very said true. cheers very well said and, uh yeah i, I guess we sh- uh, wanted to acknowledge um a few of the other guys um matt trueblood who's uh one of the uh main writers early on and we hated to lose him when he went to baseball perspectives it was kind of like a uh, garage band losing their uh, lead guitar to go play for tom petty so <laughs> very uh mixed emotions but it's cool to see him uh kind of go to the big stage it was great to see him succeed, but I also feel less worse about myself seeing how much he writes on the website. Yeah, I'm very I, uh, impressed at his uh, work rate, <laughs> so to speak. I mean, it's amazing how much he's putting up and the quality that he's putting up. Good, to, good cheers to Matt as well. That's what I was about to say. It's one thing to be prolific, but to be good and prolific is, as he is, is um, is, is quite impressive. Yeah, he's and he's um still helped out with uh, some copy editing here and there, so um, pretty cool of him to still be doing that for us. And uh, I also want to thank uh, Scott Kramer. He Early on, he uh, volunteered to host the site, and uh, he set up the email list, a lot of logistics, and kind of thankless tasks, and so uh, I think we should probably uh, acknowledge him for all that, uh, all that he's done for us. Cheers, Scott. Well played. Okay, so when we uh, first planned the show, we thought it'd be a pretty slow week with the winter meetings not happening until next week. So, but that obviously changed uh, even this morning with Justin Marja going to the Giants. So, um, I guess we'll kind of quickly go around the uh, the big moves this week. I guess start with David Price going to uh, Boston, and uh, I guess the news was that uh, St. Louis was the runner-up uh, in that chase. And so, Alex, being a uh, Cards fan, I uh, wanted to get your take on that. If you're if you're sad about that, or you feel like you dodged a bullet there. No, I was pretty. I was really bummed about it. Um, what helped is I didn't even know we were runner-up until after the fact. So it wasn't one of those things where I thought, you know, all week he was about to sign with the Cardinals, about to sign with the Cardinals, and then the Red Sox kind of came in the back door and, and stole him. It didn't feel that way because, yeah, I just um, I, I didn't even know that we were that close until he'd already signed with Boston. Um, that said, it, I, I was really bummed. And I, I don't say that from a perspective that I think it would have been a great deal uh, or a good deal, or whether it's a terrible deal. I just say it from more of a short-sighted point that I would have really liked to have him um, in the rotation next year. I, I think thinking of him, Wainwright, uh, Carlos Martinez, Jaime Garcia, and Michael Waka seems like a really formidable lineup, and then remove him, and with all the um, you know injury history we've had, it all of a sudden seems like a pretty fragile lineup. So yeah, I was I was pretty bummed, and e- even if it's uh, even if it would have been a bad deal, even if it turns out to be a bad deal down the road, and even if when the deal happens, there's a part of you that think it that thinks it's a bad deal, 
it's just always kind of exciting when your team lands that big fish. And um, the Cardinals do that so early. I, you know, if this had been the time, I would I would have been ecstatic. Not to to, yeah. to add to this, Alex. Mm-hmm. I just saw a tweet that just came out that said, uh, "I know Ron Price, Give but Samarja also chose the Giants over the Cardinals." <laughs> yeah. And so, do you like the moniker? Best team at coming in second with free agent starting pitchers in baseball. It doesn't roll off a ton like best fans. What about best fights? <laughs> that worked. Um, Eric, I'm glad you spoke up because I would like to mention um, right after he signed with the Red Sox, I got a message from Eric who uh, I've only met him once, but I've conversed with him many times online and I can vouch that he's an incredibly nice guy. But I get this message from Eric like, uh, hey, buddy, that's got a sting. Uh, and <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't call attention to it, but for the fact that any time something like this happens to the Cardinals, it's often Eric is the first one I hear from. Uh, and it should be known that Eric is a big Reds fan, hates the Cardinals, as he should if you're a Reds fan. So that's the context. But I remember when Carlos Martinez... Um, <laughs> Walked off the mound after seven pitches and was done for the year with a shoulder injury. I was out to eat. Um, so I didn't even know this was happening. Uh, and I got a, uh, I think I got a, maybe a Facebook message from Eric that said something like, how are you handling the Carlos Martinez news? Pretty rough or something. And then I went to game two of the NLDS this year versus the Cubs. And in that second inning, when the Cardinals were just crapping the bed, um, some point after that, I looked at my phone, um, and Eric tweeted at me something like, man, uh, you know, I'm kind of worried about you over there or something. <laughs> so, Eric, nice guy, but he's a very sneaky troll. Um, and I just want to warn everybody about that. I, it's I hard feel. to be excited about the Reds, so I can be excited about hating the Cardinals. Hey, I will never deny another man is uh, schadenfreude. Um, so <laughs> I... I, I don't begrudge you. I just wanted everyone else to be aware of what was happening. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to ask Alex more where the Cardinals stand at this point now. It looks like uh, Lance Lynn's actually out for the year. They've come up yeah. second now a couple times. The starting pitching market feels a little thinner than it did, you know, 72 hours ago. Hayward feels like he's probably not resigning, although I sh- I'm maybe— Oh, really? You feel that way? Interesting. Okay. I just haven't gotten them, and that's maybe part of the question I'm asking you is where do they stand? Because I I've gotten the impression it doesn't seem like Hayward's coming back, okay. And the Cubs are surging. Obviously, the Pirates are great. Oh, just kind of yeah. where where are where do you see the the Cardinals kind of on December fifth of 2015? Well, from a Hayward standpoint, you know, every time we miss out on one of these guys, I kind of hope that means we're really going to make a strong push for Hayward. I have no idea if that's their plan or not, and um, but I, but I hope that's I hope that's what's happening because I, I thought the Samarja deal, while not great, was certainly affordable for the Cardinals. Um, same with Lackey. I don't understand why they didn't re-sign or go after Lackey if he just wanted two years from the Cubs. That was was essentially qualifying offer price for two years. Um, so I'm really hoping they make a strong push for Hayward. Whether or not they're doing that, I have no idea. Um, one thing Mosaic is very good at is keeping these these things a secret. You know, as I mentioned earlier, I didn't know, and I don't think most people knew that we were in second place for Price until after it happened. And speaking of Hayward, when that trade happened last year, I think we all found out basically in real time, um, and not even in terms of like there were there was no scuttlebutt about it at all, really leading up to the trade. So nothing would surprise me on the Hayward front. Meaning if he were to sign with the Cubs, how god awful that would be, or if all of a sudden tonight it's announced that the Cardinals sign him for a for a huge contract. In terms of pitching, yeah, I don't I don't know where we stand right now. There was a good article this morning on Viva Alberto's um about maybe going after Cliff Lee. Um and initially I, I didn't like that idea, but I actually thought it seemed after reading the article, it seemed like a pretty good uh I don't know, low risk, high reward type situation. If they don't make a move with Lackey gone, Lance Lynn gone, it's probably going to be, you know, Wainwright, Martinez, Waka, Jaime Garcia, then either Cooney or Tyler Lyons filling that fifth spot. I really don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. I can tell you if they do nothing, 
a lot of the fan base is going to be pretty upset because we've heard so much this last year about how they're expanding payroll. They have this um, payroll muscle that they can flex. Um, <coughs> excuse me, I'm getting over a cold. Um, a lot of that having to do with the fact that they have some big contracts coming off the books in the next couple of years. And more importantly, they signed a huge TV deal that I think kicks in next year. So we've heard almost too much that they have all this money to spend. And if they don't do a single thing while the Cubs and Pirates are getting better, people are going to be pretty upset. And uh, there's one factor in that price deal with the is opt out after is it three years or four years? I think three years. He gets thirty and, million for three years, and then there's an opt out. Yeah. So when I was reading about the Cardinals offer, I didn't see any mention of that, and I kind of wonder if that's going to be part of a uh, or that's going to be the thing now with, I guess, with negotiations, like how how low you're willing to go with that opt out. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Well, I would just say real quickly, um, this is Alex again. That I, I don't know if that had anything to do with the Cardinals not getting him. My guess is that it was that thirty million <laughs> extra that really snagged them. It was funny after he signed that contract. Um, leading up to that, there were talks. I think Price made it close that he would prefer he really wanted to hit in the National League. And after he made that contract, after he signed that contract with the Red Sox, there was a, just a few people who were like, you know. What a liar. He said he wanted to hit, you know, and I'm thinking, well, for $30 million, there's a lots of things you know, there are a lot of things that I like to do that I would gladly give up. So, um, I think that was more the difference in terms of the Cardinals not landing him. Um, but to answer your question for the opt out. Yeah. I really don't know. I think, you know, Ryan or Eric are probably better, better at this than I am. So I'll turn it over to one of them. But I would start with, I'm not even sure that we should be calling the Cardinals runners-up if they were $30 million behind the next <laughs> offer. I mean, that's kind of hard to say I was the runner-up. I mean, right? you know, it'd be like saying, well, we offered J.A. Happ $5 million for one year. I mean, that's kind of the comparable. He got 3 and 36. So, uh, but I think that uh, Ken's on to something here. I think that we are going to see. I mean, Granke obviously worked out fantastically for him with the opt-out. I mean, I, I think now he's going to end up making about two hundred and. $80 million over the nine years of his, you know, his free agency, so to speak. And price is probably going to enter the market at 32 again, I believe. And he could have $90 million in his pocket. These are the kinds of things where I think that it's either going to be no trade clauses like we saw in Jordan Zimmerman's contract, or it's going to be the opt out. And the opt out is even more leverage. I mean, it gives you the chance to go cash in again. Or if you've, you know, fallen off a cliff, you're guaranteed a heck of a lot of money. So. Or we're seeing deferred money is the other thing uh, that's yeah. being used as well. I mean, Granky got, I think, $60 million deferred as well. So, And uh, Max Scherzer, Scherzer, speaking for the Nats, got uh, – I forgot what the number was. It was almost half of his money deferred. So maybe that's another way that these teams are going to keep payroll flexibility. And also it works for the team that you can put a huge number up there and still the agent can look like a winner. Uh, if I can interrupt real quick, I have some breaking news uh, that's not of interest to anyone but me, um, probably. Uh, Derek Gould just tweeted that Car the Cardinals' interest in Samarja was somewhat limited by pursuit of another starting pitcher, parentheses, leak, question mark? That's yeah. all. Yeah, that was kind of like the name that was floating around after uh, they lost out in price. And I'm amazed he's going to be probably the benefit or the uh, biggest benefactor of all these guys signing quickly because now there's still five or six teams that need a starter. And Mike Leake, who's a good but not great pitcher, it looks like he could get 18 to 19, 20 million a year. Oh, gosh. Let me ask this real quick. With that, so we know Cueto turned down the 120 with the Diamondbacks. <laughs> Where is he going to land? And the fact that the Diamondbacks would spend so much more on Grinky than Cueto – Bad sign for Cueto. Does that say anything about what Johnny's going to land? Dodgers, right? Dodgers got to sign right? Cueto. Mm. And the Giants could be an option too, but it's got to be the Dodgers, right? It's got to be. I mean, they just okay. lost a seven-win player to a division rival. I th what, Brett Anderson's probably their number two. Ryu will be back. And then Anderson. And I mean, that's a <laughs> – or Kershaw. That was a dumb mistake. Um, but, I mean, their team is significantly worse without oh, yeah. the combination of Kershaw-Granke. Then, you, like yeah. you say, Kershaw's great, but then it's Anderson, Ryu, who's been hurt, Anderson, who's had problems, and a whole bunch of other stuff. I mean, I, I don't see a way they don't go and spend – if they don't make a trade, certainly, but I, I think Cueto to them makes too much sense. Mm -hmm. 
and they can't get outbid again. They've been outbid now three or four times this winter. And not even outbid that much by the Diamondbacks, right? I mean, it's not like the Diamondbacks blew them away. Like the thing, correct me if I'm wrong, because I I could totally be wrong. But like the like the Red Sox blew the Cardinals away. It just seemed weird that the Diamondbacks would be able to take Grinky from the Dodgers. You know, the Dodgers who we've known to have this huge payroll for the last few years. Yeah, it sounded like they stayed firm at five years. If you read the reports and and believe them. Mm. It's funny that um, when Grinky first signed with the Dodgers, he basically admitted it was for the money and that uh, you know he'll probably do the same thing here but it's just kind of funny that Arizona kind of prides themselves on being like you know grit and you know heart of a champion kind of thing and they'll go for guys that will you know like in Grinky's case he will do it for the money and like they have eight uniforms coming up this season it just seems kind of like a weird uh <laughs> you know, paradox there but it sure makes you look at Arizona differently right <laughs> now that you look at them they have Goldschmidt very cheap and one of the best players in baseball and and Pollock is a really nice building block in center field you've got Granke now to front the rotation they make another move or two that's a much different organization than it was 24 hours ago let alone you know two months ago yeah yeah I mean if Patrick Corbin comes back and he's good Granke almost gets him to a 500 team and you're talking a wild card at that spot and you know, I mean, is Yasmani Tomas? We've made so much fun of Dave Stewart in my head when this happened. I kind of laughed, and then I looked at him and realized they're a lot better than I thought they were in my head. You know, if Yasmani Tomas can give them anything, they've got a couple of, you know, Ahmed can pick it at short. Owings isn't a bad player. They've got uh, Inciarte in the corner who can hit a little bit, and the other corner outfielder I'm blanking on. I mean, Castillo broke out a little bit for them behind the plate last year. I mean, this is not a terrible hitting team. It, particularly if they yeah, put one uh, or two guys in the bullpen and maybe, you know, a fringe average starter, that that's not a bad ball club. I think uh, what I loved about this signing is I, I think it was at the, near the trade deadline last year where they they kind of flirted with Chapman and everyone was like, you guys are totally out of your league. Everyone pretty much laughed at them, right? Um, when, when they talked about maybe making a run at um, Aroldis Chapman. And then they offer a con track the Cueto who you know basically says no I, I do not want to be anywhere near your franchise and so when there was quick talk about you know the Diamondbacks being interested in Grinky when all we'd been hearing about were the Giants and Dodgers I just laughed it off as like um, I, I think I was just kind of following the Twitter narrative of kind of snark that haha like the Diamondbacks there they there they go again thinking they can get one of these guys and then five minutes later, he saw, I, I read a tweet that he signed with them. I loved it. And think about it now. If they do put Chapman in the bullpen, think about how differently that team. You look at that team. Mm. I mean, that's a play. That's a you know a wild card team, certainly, if not a maybe compete in the division. Absolutely. I don't know who. I mean, obviously the Dodgers are still going to be good, but there's no one in the West right now that blows you away looking at them. No, I mean, I think we're both waiting for the next shoe to drop with both the Giants and the Dodgers. But like you say, today, absolutely, they might be. It's certainly on paper. It'd be a pretty competitive, you know, yeah. race. I, I mean, I, I think the Dodgers, you know, they still won three division titles in a row. Granted, um, helps when you have Grinky. Now they don't have Grinky. Um, and the Giants, I always I always fear the Giants. Even in an odd year, I fear the Giants. So I, I think... <laughs> I think they. Um, I think it'll still be a pretty competitive division. I still. I'm not ready to hand it over to Arizona and say like, "Here you go." I think you know, you guys are the front runners now. Yeah, because um, that kind of happened with the Padres last year. Good point. Those, oh, that seems like such a long time ago. That's <laughs> <laughs> like a really long time. Ago. Sam made that joke about like whoever's writing the BP annual entry for San Diego, like they had to do a complete overhaul. So I'm wondering if they have to do that with the uh, Arizona. Now. Oh yeah. Hey, uh, real quick, best bridesmaids in baseball is that is that Twitter worthy? Should I tweet? I will, I'll use that all season. I will. Right. I'm tweeting it right now. <laughs> I will retweet it right now. Hashtag. Should this be a hashtag or should I just spell it out like best bridesmaids? Both. I'm going combo. Okay. All right. All right. I like that. Oh, oh, we got breaking news. Breaking news. Uh-oh, uh-oh. The Cubs no, are don't. signing Jason Hayward. Oh, man. Is Alex, this a joke? are you okay? No, I mean dead serious. Uh, who just tweeted it? I'm seeing it on my feed, too, but... 
This is a lie. I'm I'm on Twitter right now. I don't see it anywhere. This better be a lie. I'm sc- I'm so happy I get to do this with Alex. Yeah, I'm seeing six for one eighty five. Are you seeing that? Yep. All right. Now I know it's not. I now I know it's not. How much does this hurt, Alex? This first you give them Lackey, now you give them Hayward. All right, All right. I, I know, I know this is. Uh, Can anybody else smell I, the dr- just the jealousy dripping out of his pores right now? No, I, I know <laughs> this is crap because it's not on my Twitter feed yet, and I feel like we follow a lot of the same people. But there's still like 10 percent of me that's incredibly nervous and ner- worried right now that it's not. So um, I'm going to play along because I'm legitimately worried, but. I also want to let on to the fact that I'm pretty positive I sniffed this out as a joke from the get-go. Uh, the six oh. years has got my uh, nose turned up a little bit. Let's say it that way. But uh. <laughs> Hey, well, you know, you guys, um, fo- we follow each other on Twitter, so please uh, retweet one of these. I will gladly, so I can gladly see it on my feed. I'm staring at Twitter right now. I think I just... I, I, th- I think I just called your bluff. I feel like I that was, really ruined the podcast now. Eric, Eric, you know what, though? When you said that, I had – it said like, you know, 20 tweets, you know, that I still had to upload. <laughs> so I clicked on that. By the way, if anybody wanted – I almost skipped a beat expecting to see Rosenthal, Heyman, all those, you know, the usual suspects up there. Um, announcing some deal to the Cubs. So I was really worried there for a second. If anybody needs proof that Eric is kind of a heel on Twitter to, <laughs> to Alex, I think we just got proof right there. Yeah, proof. And his day job is a uh, pastor. So. Well, I don't get to do that at my day job, so this is my outlet. <laughs> that was good, guys. Good job. Okay. Sort of on that note, I guess, uh, during the winter meetings, like you guys have just... MLB trade rumors just up constantly, constantly refreshing that. Mm-hmm. I'm normally just kind of following on Twitter. I, I, I don't, I don't have a good read on the market as well as a lot of other people. So I kind of just let it um, unfold and and see the reactions and you know gauge my own accordingly. But the the good thing about Ken's question is it really points out that baseball's off season is and and I. I like football. I like basketball. I'm not one of those persons who only follows baseball. But baseball's offseason is so much better than um, any other sport I follow. Well, there's. I think some of it is just the way it's set up. In the other sports, it feels like all the transactions happen within three days of the new calendar year. In baseball, it, they give you a little bit every day. It feels like, you know, we got one today. We got one yesterday. It, it, it You know, it, it gave us a couple of weeks of, uh, you know... Uh, Teasing, I guess I can use it that way. So, and it's also interesting how much mileage, like even the minor deals get uh, after the Cardinals uh, signed uh, Brian Pena. All these people were contacting me, like, "What do you think of this signing?" And I, I had to come up with something very profound. And then I'm thinking, why, <laughs> why am I wasting too much time and energy? trying to figure out what I think of a signing for a backup catcher. He's got to be better than Tony Cruz. Yeah, and that's <laughs> your that's pretty much the extent of my um, analysis. Uh, Eric, how do you like that? He took Brian Pena from you, buddy. Oh, I used to love him so much, and now I can never root for him again. <laughs> it hurts. Hey, speaking of former Reds, I wanted to ask Ryan about Dusty Baker being the new manager and maybe get Eric's input on, you know, if you could kind of give some words of consolation or something to look forward to. <laughs> uh, trying to put a positive spin on it for Ryan. Eric, what do you think? Honestly, I was one of, maybe not of the only people. I don't think it's a bad move for the Nationals. Dusty gets a bad rap for the blowing out Pryor and Woods arms thing, but I mean, we, I think Ben and Sam talked about this, that it's kind of a reputation that didn't hold in Cincinnati. If the main thing the Nationals need is they've got the talent, someone to bring the clubhouse together that the players are going to like. They clearly didn't like Matt Williams. You could do a lot worse than Dusty Baker as a guy to to be the guy that kind of keeps the clubhouse together. I actually think it'll work out fine. Yeah, I'm kind of with Eric. I I, I like the hire. I mean, 
Dusty came in, absolutely knocked his interview out of the park the first time to get a second interview and knocked that one out of the park too. And so I, I give him his credit. I, I think that we need, and I think the manager's biggest job in you know, today's game is trying to get 25 egos to get along. And maybe Dusty Baker is the guy that can do it. Obviously, Matt Williams was not the guy. And so they're trying something completely different. They're going from a, you know, kind of a tough mid 40s, you know, guy to a, you know, an African-American later 60s affable, you know, players manager. So I don't know. I hope it works. They haven't they haven't found the right you know, recipe for success with a manager in this town. So hopefully Dusty Baker's the guy. And I, I do think that the Kerry Wood and Mark Pryor thing is just completely and unbelievably overblown. So, but uh, I don't know. I'm not too disappointed in the hire. I mean, I think I would be a little more excited with Bud Black, but some of that is tempered by the fact that Bud Black's unemployed right now. I guess he's a special well, he assistant for somebody, but, you know, he's not working in a front off or not working as a manager this year. So, and he got passed over for a fair amount of jobs. So I don't want to slander Bud Black, but it just causes a little concern. That's all. I, I, my thoughts on Dusty Baker is, you know, if you want to have an opinion that, you know, I'm not wild about Baker because I, I don't think he has um, um, enough of an analytical mind. And, you know, I like my managers, you know, in this day and age be, you know, pretty analytical. I, you know, I think that's valid. But to say, oh, this is a horrible hire, he's a horrible manager, that's just completely um, crazy to me. I mean, he's taken, he's taken three teams um, to the playoffs. Um, and, and I think that has to be worth um, pretty consistently to the playoffs. And I think that has to be worth something. Well, and if the biggest complaint is that he rides the pitchers too hard and, and he wins, I think that Nationals fans in the Nationals front office would be more than happy with that, particularly with where they think they are in their kind of cycle. If you, you know, he runs these pitchers into the ground for four years, but they win some games, I don't think that would be the worst thing in the world. Right. Yeah, I thought uh, I'd be excited to get rid of Dusty, and then you end up with Brian Price, and you really miss Dusty, so... <laughs> <laughs> and I touched on it, but I think Dusty could be a really, really good fit for Washington, D.C. I mean, I just think the personality could be a great fit and, and the people he knows and, the, and he's been around the game and, and everything like that. I think he could be a really good hire on a number of levels for for Washington, D.C., the city and the franchise. Yeah, and he walks in there immediately and has the, you know, he might not have the respect of snarky people on Twitter, but he immediately has the respect of his players, and that's pretty much all that matters. And obviously, Matt Williams didn't have that. No. I mean, Dusty Baker's managed superstars. He was a superstar, as he mentioned. I mean, th this is a guy that's got a lot of credibility. So I, I think that it's, I don't know, I've warmed to the hire a lot more. Some of it's maybe because I want to warm to the hire a little bit, but... I don't know. I'd rather have him than some of the other gentlemen that were hired this offseason. Yeah. And I'm tired of guys that have no experience at all getting jobs and then failing miserably on the job getting that, that experience. So, mm -hmm. uh, How long did uh, Dusty sign for? Uh, I think he's got a three-year contract with an option. I'm wondering, like, managers, they, you know, more often not seems like we're out there welcome if, they, if they're around long enough. So I wonder if the new thing will be, like, shorter-term contracts for managers. And I think that's probably, like you say, I think the last time they went into the managerial search, they wanted to find somebody that was going to be there for 10 or 15 years. And I think that's just something that's, in theory, that's great. But it's like having a superstar play for your organization for his entire career. It's great if it happens, but it isn't really that big of a deal if it doesn't. I, I did yeah. want to just ask one more point before we get off of free agency. But are you guys surprised that we're not seeing that many bats? sign yet. I know we were kidding around about Hayward five minutes ago, but we really haven't seen any real hitters sign yet. And yet it seems like the pitchers have gone off the market. It just I was just curious if anybody's been surprised by that, because I certainly have been surprised. So, so you're telling me Jason Hayward didn't sign with the Cubs ten minutes ago? It's still up in the air. I, <laughs> you know what that was? I was trying to help people listening understand sometimes you can't just go with the first thing you see on Twitter. It was kind of my uh, live action Here's what this could be like, but you got to check. So now you know you're welcome. So you were doing your Jim Bowden impersonation. Sure. <laughs> if, if if for some reason he does sign with the Cubs uh, in in the next couple minutes, I think it's fair to say that Eric Rosenberry broke this story. This might be my JP Breen moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, to answer to answer your question, Ryan. Um, yeah, I, I I really don't know. I I kind of. 
I, I, I'm not meaning I don't know exactly how this stuff usually works behind the scenes. I don't know if they're just waiting for that first bat to sign um, and kind of set the market or what. Or if everyone's waiting for Hayward and Hayward's such a complicated sign signing because it's hard to kind of figure out a guy's value who's not necessarily in power but in um, you know defense and, and base running and other things like that. Yeah, and I think Zorbros is another domino they're waiting on. It's just surprising to me with the number of decent, I don't want to call them superstar level bats, but you've got a Hayward, you've got a Gordon, you've got a Cespedes, you've got an Upton, you've got Ian Desmond, you've got Zobris, like you mentioned, Chris Davis. Ah, I've forgotten about Cespedes. There's just, there are a lot of bats out there, and to think that really none of these guys have signed for any real money yet is, and yet we've seen all the, most of the pitchers go. We've still got Cueto and, and, you know, a couple of others on the market. It's just, that's been surprising to me. And I was thinking maybe there are fewer suitors for the pitchers that were available as opposed to the hitters. So I'm guessing during the winter meetings, more of the teams will kind of talk with each other and see how the market is there. And to the point that you're making, maybe these guys are going to make less money compared to Price and Greinke, and, and maybe they'll have more suitors. Maybe that's the answer. It's Maybe it is that simple. It's just it's been a little interesting, anyways, that we're this far into the offseason. So. Mm. Can we talk for a second about how excited I am Barry Bonds is back? Love every minute of it. Yes! Um, I'm going to be the uncool guy and say, so I'm really happy Barry Bonds is now recognized as the best player um, pretty much since probably all of us have been alive because he is. But I'm not as happy about the fact that people are acting like Barry Bonds is all of a sudden some great guy. Because <laughs> he is not – there's ample evidence that he – is not that great of a guy, um, although he seems to maybe have mellowed out in his retirement. And if that's the case, I really hope, you know, maybe he's kind of seen the light on a few things. Um, but so, yeah, I'm, I'm split on Barry Bonds. I'm, I'm happy he's back in baseball because he, he belongs in baseball. But the, uh, the idea and, and I'm happy that people are finally being like, you know, kind of shouting down, the oh, you know, he's only good because of steroids and actually appreciating him for how awesome he was. But I hate how that also kind of ran parallel with, oh, he's also such a cool and fun guy. Like, no, he's not at all. (laughs) And he never was. Well, I have a big problem. He is now, but he never was when when he was doing all the great stuff. I have a huge problem with the fact that Mark McGuire is in complete anonymity working as the bench coach over in San Diego. But (laughs) everybody's up in arms about Barry Bonds acting as the hitting coach in Miami. I I just... It's also well, it's such a Marlins move to go get Barry Bonds as their hitting coach, just to completely throw another thing of kindling on the fire. But and I think that's what's so exciting about it is not only that he's back in baseball, but with that franchise, <laughs> like this could this could go so many different ways. And Mattingly is really like trying to get away from drama, and now is all of a sudden walking into the Miami stuff with Bonds <laughs> there. I mean, it, they really should be a reality TV show. Would be great. I mean. You can't put anything past the Marlins um, in terms of where Barry Bonds could be at the end of the year. Like, you know, he might be playing left field or something. You know, he oh, could be batting cleanup. Me. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm not of the belief that he would still actually be good. I heard a lot of people saying that. But, but you know, just the Marlins with their recent history, you know, of, of bringing a guy, you know, in the coach who has never really had any business being a coach. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see how this shakes out with Bonds. Like, I can't wait. I just can't wait for the videos of him to, like, here, let me step in and show you how this is done. And he's taking BP and just hitting bombs. I can't wait. Ah, <laughs> oh, I never <laughs> like, thought of step that. Step aside, that son. So <laughs> yeah, do you think he will take that in practice? Like, step aside, D. Gordon. Here's how you hit bombs, son. <laughs> if he took batting practice, though, and was, um, like, just awful, in which he could be awful because he's probably, what, he's over 50 now, isn't he? He's got to be. Yeah, I think that would really kind of hurt his. Those that video might legend, shut the legend down of Twitter. Bond. So I, I hope he only does that if he can still actually crank him out of the park. Think about He's that 51. though. That would shut down Twitter if he was all of a sudden taking Twitter. Like that video would shut down Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm excited though. So I wanted to uh, take this chance to kind of get into our fan origin stories we each kind of have like geographical quirks with our fandom ryan you uh grew up an orioles fan because you're out in maryland but i guess i don't know if the if dc is closer to where you are it is it's much closer i'm about five minutes from the the uh 
city line or the district line. So it's really, I'm much closer to DC than I am. Baltimore is about a 45 minute drive for me. So, but yeah, I grew up a Baltimore fan. Uh, my dad had, had, you know, a small ticket plan. I think he got five games a year. So we'd go up, but it was just, it was an ordeal and it didn't quite feel like going. And that was when Memorial Stadium was going on. So that was a lot farther away from kind of the DC fan base, but I grew up an Orioles fan. Uh, I lost my fandom a little bit uh, when Angelo's, I don't know, went crazy kind of after the 97, 98 seasons and started tanking the uh, the franchise a little bit. I also was in college and was focused more on girls and drinking and other things. So some of that just factored in. But uh, that'll happen. Yeah, you know, it happens. So then when uh, the Nationals came back into town in 2005, I was working downtown very close to where the stadium was going to be built. And I've always been a baseball fan. I played it in high school. So it was just it was very natural for me to slide over and be a Nationals fan rather than, you know, I always kind of felt that Baltimore, you know, you uh, let me rephrase. I always felt like you support your home teams unless you really have a reason not to. So DC is my home team. That's where I would say that I'm from. If any of you guys hear me, I say I'm from DC and it's kind of where I, uh, you know, associate. So when, if, if the Orioles are doing well, do you have any, um, I mean, is there still a part of you that's kind of like, uh, Oh, I, I absolutely cheer for the Orioles. I mean, they offered me jobs to work in their organization. So I will ne- you'll never hear me say a bad word about the Orioles. Absolutely whatsoever. I cheer for them. I probably watch, you know, 60 or 70 of their games a year on TV. And oh, okay. I try to get up there, you know, once or twice for a game just as a fan. So, uh, no, I'm not I'm not one of the, you know, you can only be a De- uh, Nationals fan or an Orioles fan. I, I yeah, like both. Yeah. Obviously, my my loyalty lies with the Nationals. I mean, I'm NatsGM.com. I write NatsGM. So uh, I'm certainly a Nats fan first and foremost. But I own an Orioles cap. I I supported them as a kid. I don't see anything wrong with – I mean, how can you not like Manny Machado? I mean, watching him, he's one of the best players in baseball. Adam Jones is a treat to watch play baseball. So they have the best park in baseball, I think. I mean, I I don't see any reason not to like the Orioles. No, I I think that's absolutely allowed. I'm just kind of curious when um, the, there was the news that uh, the Expos were moving to D.C., were you just ecstatic or did you, was there any guilt about about <laughs> taking Montreal's team? Because they're, they're still kind of pretty popular with uh, like EW fans, so uh, I'm wondering what the mindset was. It was a little dusty in the uh, Sullivan residence the night that it was uh, announced that uh, the Expos were definitely relocating and the stadium deal got done. Uh, it was a little dusty in here, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Well, I can say I live in D.C. now, and I, I love having the Nats here. It's, um, you, you know, just I, I've become, my, I guess they're kind of my second team, um, but very far, very far apart from the Cardinals. But uh, it's just nice living in a town where there's professional baseball. Yeah, there's absolutely. You know, it makes all the in the world. Alex or Eric, one of you guys, how did you guys become fa- fans of your teams? I mean, uh, I actually grew up as a Braves fan. Uh, yeah, I, the first baseball game I remember watching was the 91 NLCS. Uh, and so I just kind of took to the Braves. And so for, from 91 through like the first world title, uh, I was a big Braves fan. I took a few years off from, uh, following baseball as closely. Then I really started to think about it. And Cincinnati was 90 minutes away. It made a lot more sense. Griffey getting traded to the Reds didn't hurt and uh, slowly made my way over. Now, were you a Braves fan because they were on TBS? Yeah, so I was I was very much the uh, between the Braves and the Cubs. Those were the teams I was able to watch. Uh, and so I, I tended to to skew that way a little bit. Uh, but now the Braves and the Reds are both terrible. So it doesn't matter who I root for. They're all bad. You grew up in Kentucky? Just got very depressing. Yeah. Yep. No professional sports teams in our state, so it's a free-for-all. Yeah, it's Kentucky basketball and then uh, Kentucky basketball. That's about all we have. Uh, So, yeah. And when did you move over to Indiana? Uh, 2006. So I've been here a while, about nine years now. Uh, And... I've, I've taken some of the Indiana teams. The Pacers are fun, but it's about an hour away, so that's about it, though. Early on this year, um, Eric and Alex did that in-car podcast with uh, Brandon Lee out in Chicago. And, Which uh, the McDonald's is gone. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> they took well, away our McDonald's. 
Well, we're tentatively scheduling to do it again, maybe, if it's possible, um, because I might be in the area again for Easter. So we're going to have to, I don't know, find (laughs) a spot or something. Will you guys still be talking by Easter at this rate? (laughs) He, if the Reds were good, we might not like each other. (laughs) I have no actual thing to be proud about. Well, I can also say if the Hayward signs with the Cubs, we might also not have much to talk about because I don't want to hear – because I have a feeling I'm going to hear a uh, – I might just, uh, I don't know, turn off my phone for a little bit or something. Uh-oh. But No, I – you know, and that's the great thing about all this stuff is I don't – I love sports so much, um, especially baseball, but I <laughs> – this stuff does not matter to me in terms of actually getting upset. Like if Jason Hayward signs with the Cubs, I'll sleep fine that night. Um, I mean, I'm going to be upset, but it's not, you know, in terms of things that actually matter, you know, so when, when someone gives me a hard time about my team, um, well, you know, when a friend gives me a hard time about my team, I, I, I love it. I think it's fun. That's the, you, somebody brought up Kentucky basketball. So that's the other thing for me. That's not fun. Like baseball, like I cheer for it hard, but it's, it's miserable. Um, I, my wife and I, we almost didn't get married to the Kentucky basketball because I picked her up from the airport the day of an Elite Eight game where they were playing Michigan State. Oh, uh, Yeah, it was the Rondo. Yeah. Uh, Kentucky. And so we get to her house and her family's there, and I haven't met a lot of her family yet. And the game had started. I walk in the house. I sit in her living room. I don't say a word to anybody. And for two hours, I'm oblivious to her entire family. They lose in overtime. I fall into a heap on the floor in front of the TV and didn't move for 20 minutes. And she was apologizing to her family for me for like two weeks after that. And so I'm trying to get past that. Well done. That's a good look. I like that. (laughs) I had no shame. (laughs) Would you do that today? Or is that just a young guy? Uh, yeah, once you have – I don't know if kids changed it or – it does seem like it's tempered a little bit. I will say when they lost in the Final Four last year, my wife was prepared and had a gift basket ready for me. Eric, so, that was the day we did the podcast. That's right. The second they lost, she brought the the gift basket out and there was candy and there was stuff for me to read and get ready for <laughs> baseball season. And so she had she was ready for the ensuing terrible night. I love the visual of you as a large man just falling over on the front of the TV. <laughs> and his, his poor wife's grandma just being like, who is this idiot? <laughs> it was a lot like that. And then <laughs> this guy's a pastor. What is going on here? <laughs> she always tells the story. She walked in our house one day and I was laying on our bed, head in my hands, and it looked like someone had died. And so she next sits next to me and puts her hand on my leg. And she said, what? What happened? Tell me about it. And it was the year – Kentucky wasn't good, but Patrick Patterson was good, and he had broken his ankle. And when I told her that that's why I was on the verge of tears, we may not have talked for a few hours. Nice. Yeah, I uh, – Eric's always tough to follow. I, I, grew up, I grew up in Lincoln, Illinois, which is – Yeah! Oh, that's right. I, I forgot Eric and I had this connection because he went to school – um, uh, at a school in Lincoln. Um, <clears throat> so I, and Lincoln is about two hours from St. Louis and just under three hours from Chicago, um, right in the middle of the state. And it's uh, about 50, 50 Cardinals Cubs fans. So it was, it was very divisive. Um, so much so that my brother is, uh, is a Cubs fan. You know, both my parents are from out of state, so we didn't have any sort of influence, you know, local influence telling us who we should be cheering for. Um, and so my brother's uh, a Cubs fan. I'm a Cardinals fan. Neither of us remember how, you know, when we chose, you know, our teams. I'm glad I made the choice I did. Um, but but I, my, my first memory of the Cardinals, um, I was six, and I, I think my mom called me inside from the front yard because Ozzy had just hit the walk-off home run um, against the Dodgers in game five of the NLDS, you know. Um, NLCS, excuse me. And I, you know, I went inside as he's like just getting the home plate and I'm jumping up and down and, and everything. Uh, luckily I don't remember that World Series, the Dankinger game or anything of that. And I think looking back at like the highlights and stuff, you know, the Aussie game, um, that was during the day. And the World Series, if you watch Dankinger highlights, that's at night. So I'm guessing, you know, I'm six years old. I was, I was in bed. 
Um, and so luckily I was too old. I was, I wasn't old enough to stay up and have to watch the Cardinals get robbed of a world series. So that paid off well for me being young. Um, but Ozzie Smith was just kind of like my, was definitely my first sports hero. Um, and even from 1988 through 1995, we weren't, you know, we were very, uh, pedestrian, um, and I just got a tweet from Eric. I don't know what this is. I'm not going to open it till I stop talking though, but all of a sudden my Twitter feed's blowing up. This better not be whatever. Uh, all right. So 88 from 95, the Carls weren't very good, but we still had Ozzy Smith. And so, um, even though he, especially towards the later years, was no longer the player he was, he just seemed like such an exciting guy to watch. And he never knew um, when he was going to make one of those crazy plays. So it's just been, you know, the team that I've loved the longest and um, care about the most. And that's pretty much it. It's, you know, it's just a regional thing. And um, it's, it's grown stronger, I, I would say, as I've, as I've gotten older. Um, and... You know, I, there's a part of me that's actually kind of grateful for the Cubs because I like the cards so much because I grew up, you know, in an area with the Cubs um, where there are so many Cubs fans. And it only helped my fandom and, you know, made me even a stronger Cardinals fan. So there's uh, even though I, you know, I hate the Cubs, but there's a part of me that's also grateful for the Cubs. And uh, just real quick, uh, I think you once mentioned that you stopped following Ozzy Smith on Twitter. And I was kind of worried, like, oh, is, did he say something bad? Like, is he kind of a jerk? And then he just mentioned, oh, he's just kind of boring. Yeah, yeah. He just, <laughs> kind of, yeah. He, uh, um, and then I remember when he said that to me, Ken, because I felt really bad and I followed him again. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's not very exciting on Twitter. He just kind of, he's the kind of guy on Twitter who, if, uh, if he's at like a golf outing with other celebrities, um, and they take a picture, um, he'll like say, had a great time at the such and such charity golf outing with, you know, Dan Aykroyd and Bill Walton, you know, um, he's just kind of like a follow like that on Twitter. Like he never, he never comments on the games or, or anything like that. Um, or rarely does he even comment on the Cardinals. Um, so, so that's why, but yeah, after we had that conversation, I felt guilty. And so I, I immediately looked Ozzy up again and I followed him again and I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm following him right now, even though it's giving me no joy whatsoever. That picture of him and Bill Walton might be kind of amusing. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if I made that up. I'm not sure if that actually exists. <laughs> I would like to be a fly on the wall to hear those two guys talk. I, I'm going to do a Google fun. image search right now of Ozzy Smith and Bill Walton and see if anything comes up. You guys. Ooh. Well, I think I read somewhere that he did like it. He played the Wizard of Oz in some area stage production or something. I don't know if you heard that. I, I may have heard about that. I don't remember. Um, that's funny, though. He's, he's such a beloved guy there. Um, even when he was having, which I think kind of exists to this day, a, a feud with Larusa, which started the minute Larusa got to St. Louis. Um, even though Larusa was clearly turned the franchise around, people still dislike Larusa just because of the um, allegiance to Ozzy Smith, um, which is silly to me. I think you can you can like Ozzy Smith and still be happy Tony Larusa was the manager, but um, that's how deep the care for you know, Ozzy Smith is with, is with Cardinals fans. Nothing comes up with Bill Walton and Ozzy Smith, just a bunch of, uh, either pictures of Ozzy Smith or Bill Walton, but no pictures together. Um, uh, can you do an image search for Jason Hayward and C Chicago Cubs? <laughs> I'll do that. I'll tell you. Let me, I made a mistake. The, the tweet Eric sent me says is from Jerry Krasnick and it says Cubs are actively exploring a trade for one of the top closers, baseball sources say. That sounds like one of those uh, bot stove tweets, actually. That sounds uh, like one of those non-revelatories that yeah, uh, EW yeah. would have, yeah. I think I he just, was just trying, uh, you were, were just, you just trying to make me nervous, Eric? Juliana did a stream of content over the next few days. <laughs> um, the I did run across a headline. I just posted it in the Facebook group that I was excited about. Uh, there's an MLB.com story headline, Marlins investigating all arms at winter meetings. Mm. What does that mean? It means they're looking at all of them. Okay. <laughs> like not just their pitching arm either. They're looking at their other arm. Both arms. Well, Both they, arms. Well, they needed to lock up their hitting coach, and now they can start working on their roster. I Googled image Hayward and Cubs, and it's actually really refreshing because it just shows Jason Hayward doing a lot of cool things against the Cubs. So oh. I, I'm happy you, you uh, uh, sent me in that direction. Well, I 
grew up in Anchorage, Alaska. Actually, uh, my dad worked in a restaurant there. And um, so I'm guessing the Mariners were like the team, the local team, but I hadn't gotten into baseball until I moved to uh, Anaheim, uh, like around 88, before the Dodgers had won the uh, the World Series. So early on, I was actually more of a Dodgers fan, even though we're closer to the Angels. And, you know, they had a better stadium. They had Vin Scully. Obviously, they had a better team. So uh, You couldn't get into Doug DeSensei's and Wally Joyner? <laughs> well, Wally Joyner was pretty cool back then. but uh, He still is. Wally Joyner's um, the man. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I guess back then it was, you know, more of a fr- uh, friendly rivalry between the two uh, uh, those before interleague and everything. Um, but I, I think maybe we all kind of had that period in college where we kind of drift out of uh, baseball. And I think after that, I uh, got more back more into the Angels. Were you, were you a fan um, when, like, the Edmonds era, when they had those really bad, like, uh, vests, I guess? The, the pinstripes? Um, yeah. Um, they were, yeah, it was right they around were, then. They were basically vests, right? Uh, yeah. Well, don't the Reds have something like that, too? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they did. Oh, the Reds? Yeah, the Reds. Yeah, the, the those Reds uniforms are awful as well. But I remember, like, kind of like this gray and pink. Ooh. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, Pink is probably not accurate. Yeah, but, uh, like Perry, Periwinkle, I think, was the... All sorts of colors going on, and it was a vest, and I think you said, yeah, the pinstripes. Uh, I, I I mainly think of guys like Edmonds or Mo Vaughn wearing them. <laughs> yeah. But were you a fan? Was Is that when you were kind of falling out of them, or were you were you still into them? Uh, it was like... right. I, I think that's when Disney bought them. So it was like right around that time, and they got, they got Mike Socha, who I was a fan of when he was with the Dodgers, so... You know, at the time it was cool, and now we're all kind of sick of him. So, if you go to an Angels game besides Trout, who are you most likely to see, like a shirtsy or a jersey? Uh, like which Angel, past or present? Um, is there is, I don't know, is well, there one? I know, like of the retired guys, like I guess, I guess Salmon is still most popular. Ah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but the current who, who ones, was the one you just said, Ken? Um. Salmon? Tim Salmon? Okay, okay. I thought you said one after that. What about Garrett um, Anderson? That would be a sweet jersey. Yeah, I don't... I don't like, there's not really too many players that stick out. Like, I guess because they've made so many changes. And I guess Weaver, maybe? Mm. Yeah. He's like the only other guy that you might call Mr. Angel other than Trout. Like, um, do you ever see someone in a Reggie Jackson um, <laughs> uniform? Or I'm trying to think some of the... Or a Nolan Ryan. Or I'm trying to think some of the old Is time. Pujols has yeah, to be up there, right? Uh, yeah. Poor Al. Um, I love Albert. It makes me sad when he doesn't do well. Yeah, but it's it's Anaheim, so, like, it's not like, uh, you know, maybe your guys' uh, cities where everyone's got, like, a jersey or a jersey, so, uh, you know, it's not quite the same atmosphere there. You can't wear that to the club. <laughs> You're going to the wrong club, Holmes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, so, I'm out in Hawaii now. I've been here uh, maybe since high school, and we actually do get Angels and, uh, Dodgers games over here, so I uh, can still keep up that way. Who I'm is surprised they have not blacked you out from that? Yeah, no, yeah well, we get like Fox Sports, we get like the regional. Uh, we got that Sportsnet LA, which even LA doesn't get, which is kind of weird. But who who is the big fan? Uh, what is the big f- uh, fan base in Hawaii? Is it is it more Dodgers or is it more uh, Angels? I, I think it's like actually the Yankees. Um, uh, actually, back when uh, Alex and Eric had that uh, car podcast, you talked about the, the Facebook map. Yeah, yeah. All different colors. And I think Hawaii is like Yankee country. And, <laughs> and their games started like one o'clock over here. So, like, you know, I, I'm kind of doubting how much they, uh, how, how much they're really into them. We need somebody to write this column. We need, we need more investigative journalism into this. Isn't it interesting <laughs> how. Little you hear of the Yankees involved in all these big, big, uh, free agents when just, you know, when, you know, the early 2000s, it was just assumed if the best guy who was out there, if he wasn't going to the Yankees, the Yankees would at least be kind of, you know, snip, you know, involved. It was like, yeah, he'd look good in pinstripes. Kind yeah, of. yeah. And it seemed like that that was like just a gravitational force of, of free agents heading that way with Giambi, um, A-Rod, you know, players like that. And, you know, it's it just I never would have guessed if you had told me, um, I don't know, 10 years ago that 
this year, they'd be all these great free agents, and there really hasn't been much talk of the Yankees be, being in on any of them. Um, and correct, correct me if I'm wrong. I, you know, I could be, but it it just it just shocks me that the Yankees, who, who are always kind of this big Goliath out there, that this might this might hurt Ryan, but they're saving up for that billion dollar Bryce Harper contract. Oh. <laughs> Learner, well, learners are richer than the Steinbrenners. Thank you. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Ryan, how are we doing in time? We're uh, this is probably a good time to wrap, man. We're at fifty-two minutes, so this is Guys, probably not a bad time. Up and in used to go for two and a half hours. We're fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they also had Jason Parks too. Very true. <laughs> so we're wrapping it up. Oh no! Well, yeah, I think uh, there's <laughs> list, so, so, Wait, no, there's no. some more things I wanted to get into. So we got time for another oh, yeah, subject. Yeah, let's, let's do it. <laughs> You can edit and cut things. Come on. I'm on my second glass of eggnog. It's a good day. I'm going to go oh, get a um, glass of water, but I'll be back in like two seconds. <laughs> okay. Is he really? I don't know what to believe anymore today. So, <laughs> Yes. Ryan, seriously. Ryan, you need to make up something from the internet now so we're even. All that, three of us. That really was great. <laughs> just, <laughs> just hearing his voice and then hearing you go full heel on it was amazing. <laughs> I, I really should have waited ten seconds. It looked legit. The guy had a few followers. He had a Cubs. I shouldn't say he had a Cubs logo as his avatar because that makes me sound like a sucker. But Eric, you got that uh, Cal Ripken ornament up? Uh, that's happening today. We got the tree today. Cal's coming out of the box. Griffey's coming out of the box. You'll see my. You'll see on Twitter. I can't wait. <laughs> I wanted to ask Alex, you met Ben Lindbergh, I think, at some function in D.C. And yeah. he actually recognized you from the podcast, which must have been well, kind of weird. Yes, it's, Grantland had this, um, Met is putting it very, is, I'm not sure if Met is even the right word, but the, the Grantland was having this thing um, in suburban D.C. You remember that, Ryan, because you were talking of going for a little bit. Yeah, I was supposed uh, to be there sick dog unfortunately yeah missed it. and and before it began it was it was just packed um and before it began ben was i saw ben walking around um and so i just kind of tugged on his shirt and said hey uh and he turned around and he actually had food with him so i immediately kind of felt bad that he was eating <laughs> um it was not a, we have to ask what he was eating it was not i think it was like a salad of some sort it wasn't a burrito I <laughs> that. um but you know i just kind of said hey uh Really, really love the podcast. Um, you know, I, I love listening to it every day. And for those, um, the uninitiated, I'm talking about the uh, Effectively Wild podcast. Um, just told them how much I love the podcast and that, you know, I was one of um, several who started, who not started, but was contributing to the Banish to the Pen. And um, after I said my name, he said, oh, yeah, you, uh, you were one of the guys in the car. Um, in the car podcast, because that one had just, I, I think it, that one was like a week or two weeks old at that point. Um, and so it was a really cool moment, I thought, for the site. Uh, uh, I think I immediately uh, sent a message to all you guys being like, uh, hey, Ben, uh, Ben was listening to the podcast. That's kind of neat. So That's yeah, and it, and it, yeah, it was, it was a really, uh, something tells me if he listens to this one, he's not going to make it to this point. So uh, it's, it's all, <laughs> it's all good. But, um, although I'm having a great time, but, uh, he, uh, it was a really cool function too. uh, Carey was there as well. Um, and a lot of other people who write for Grantland, uh, non-baseball writers. Um, and it, so they were talking about baseball and non-baseball things, but Jonah Carey was hosting. So it was mostly focused on baseball and it was a, it was a really neat function. I had to leave early. Um, cause it was, it went pretty late, but yeah, it, it was, it was, he seemed like a great guy. It was really Really nice to uh, just introduce myself, tell them how much I enjoy the podcast. What, what's this Grantland you speak of? Oh, yeah. So ooh, ooh. <laughs> I, that's funny. I, I was just looking to read that. Um, speaking of Ben Lindbergh, his, his article that came out, I, I want to say in August, about the Cardinals' cluster luck in terms of run prevention. Um, and I was worried that like maybe like Grantland e doesn't even exist on the internet anymore. Um, but luckily, it was still there. I read it this morning. It's weird that we actually outlasted Grantland and uh, just a bit outside. <laughs> yeah, but maybe we can pick off some of those writers. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Yeah, tough week, yeah. right, for baseball sites. Woof. I guess the secret is uh, don't pay anybody, which is. <laughs> <laughs> you get what you pay for. 
<laughs> who are and, uh, we coming for next? What baseball blog are we going to put out of business? Um, <laughs> baseball prospectus, we got our eyes on you. It's like Ken, you're ready, to edit the, uh, you're ready to edit the Banish of the Pen annual, right? Oh, yeah. We, we should, a, a print edition would be pretty cool. <laughs> I agree. And uh, I, I guess I should mention real quick, we're working on T-shirts and mugs to sell uh, for our anniversary, and that would all go to charity. And uh, it's, it would be for the Jimmy Fund. And actually, Ryan, uh, I think you won a bid to uh, be on Effectively Wild once. Yeah, that's how I uh, that's how I was on episode uh, 376, if everybody wants to listen to that one. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a lot of fun. That was uh, getting to meet, talk to those guys was uh, and getting to uh, see what the behind the scenes of uh, their show was pretty fun. I'm sure. And I just love the fact that uh, Ken made the T-shirts and we've kind of seen sneak previews. They look awesome. And the fact that that's going to charity makes me even happier. So that's really, really cool. Yeah, they look really good. And there is some rumors of a uh, Ryan Sullivan bobblehead, but we can't ah! confirm or deny. We'll Do you think you can out. just offer Ben and Sam money to get on the podcast? Can I just send an email like, <laughs> hey, how long would 50 bucks get me? <laughs> it's worth a shot. <laughs> so uh, I think lastly, um, I think maybe one of the highlights of this past year for us, um, Alex had a uh, – one of his articles mentioned on Hardball Talk at NBC Sports. I, was, I think that was like our most popular post. And uh, I think the co- it was about the Cardinals and the hacking scandal. And uh, mm-hmm. I think one of the cool <laughs> things was that uh, Matt Trueblood, a Cubs fan, uh, did the editing on that. So I'm kind of, you know, it'd be kind of cool. Like if you go back in time and you tell young Alex, like one day, like you're going to be uh, on the Internet, which, you know, that's a long story. But uh, <laughs> and a Cubs fan is going to edit your post. Uh, so what was that experience like? Ah, it was neat. It's definitely, uh, it's probably the post that Bears of Penn I'm most proud of. Um, and it's definitely the one that came the most, I don't know, it, I, I wrote it in under two hours and that's very rare for me. Usually I'm like stressing over every word and I'm like hitting myself in the face and I'm, I can't, I'm pacing around and I'm cursing myself being a horrible writer, but this one just kind of spilled out. Um, and then I, I finished it and I read it and I was like, wow, I really like this one. Um, and so, I was very happy when I saw that Calcaterra uh, link to it. Um, although I was initially worried because you know how Calcaterra is. It, um, I wasn't sure, <laughs> you know, I wasn't sure where he was going to go with it because I was excited, but I was also initially worried because it was Craig Calcaterra, and you just never know if he's just going to like destroy you. Um, <laughs> so I read it with a little. I read his article with a little bit of trepidation, just waiting for like the axe to drop. But he was very complimentary of the piece. Um, and, uh, and kind of said, you know, this is good for all sports fans who, you know, to kind of separate, you know, you know, your fandom from actual reality. Um, and I, I tweeted at him and said, Hey, thanks for, I wrote that. Thanks for linking to it. And he said, um, he replied, you know, he replied and said, you know, it was a really good piece. And so, you know, that made me feel good. I was, I was really happy and especially, and just happy for the site that it got, um, you know, got clicks like that. And, um, you know, that's happened a few times now with some other people's really good posts, like the, uh, the up and in, I, was it Tyler who did that piece? Yeah. I, I think that was a pretty popular piece and, um, you know, so it was just, it was just cool. I was, I was pretty, I was pretty happy. I wasn't happy at the fact that the Cardinals, uh, had cheated. Just, that they cheated. The database. <laughs> yeah. That part I wasn't happy about. Um, but that was the point of the column was, um, scolding them. So. So happy it, um, you know, did the, you know, made it, made it a few rounds on the internet. Not happy that it was because the Cardinals were hacking or Chris Correa was hacking into, um, the Astro database. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, blemish the whole Cardinals reputation for the act of what could have just been one bad apple. Just quite yet. Okay. So, uh, I think maybe we should wrap it up here. Um, so I guess this is kind of our, season finale it was at the end of our first year so uh i guess everyone survived which is good uh no cliffhanger um so (laughs) so ryan should be back uh probably next week after the winter meetings sounds like fun we got plenty i'm assuming we'll have plenty to talk about maybe jason hayward will have actually signed (laughs) (laughs) i actually think by then he will have signed with somebody yeah i actually think we're going to see a bunch of a bunch of guys go off the board in the next what three, four, five days now? Yeah, mm-hmm. a week from now is going to be a very different landscape. 
And Ben okay. Zobrist is going to be a national. Yay. Uh, oh, or, or, wait, oops. <laughs> um, just going to say I had a blast. Yeah, thanks for coming on, guys. Um, so uh, we'll wrap it up here. Um, Ryan, uh, anything on Nats GM that you want to uh, promote that's coming up? Uh, I will be uh, doing a live podcast each day, kind of summarizing what's going on at the winter meetings next week. So check out that on my site and uh, always check out my site, NatsGM.com. And most importantly, check out everything that's going on at Banish to the Pen. Our podcast is about weekly and uh, we've made it 41 episodes, which is something to be pretty proud of. So uh, thanks to Ken. Thanks to everybody that's come on the show. I, I can't thank everybody enough for being so generous with their time and uh i can't wait to do another 41 episodes thanks uh yeah you've uh, done a really great job of hosting and uh all our guests have been really great this year too so that's been pretty cool and thank you for ken for being so good on the edit button it's much appreciated <laughs> oh yeah Probably. um and uh, and thanks uh alex for coming on thanks for having me um and uh who is that Sorry, that. You know when the kids get to the point where they're like, we've been alone enough. So, no, no, I, I shoved them out again. You're good. Go. Okay. Uh, thanks for having me. This was a really fun time. Um, I'm on Twitter at AlexCard79. Uh, uh, keep going to Banish the Pen. It's a great site. There's some really good stuff up there right now. Um, so I encourage everybody to go. Thanks, guys. And Eric, thank you for being on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, still writing at Banish to the Pen uh, a couple times a week at Call to the Pen. Uh, different. And if, if there's a bullpen, I'm writing in it. Um, and then you can also uh, follow me on Twitter, uh, Eric D. Roseberry. D is in the Cardinals didn't sign David Price. And I uh, hope to talk to you guys soon. Cheers. Yeah, so I, I guess we'll leave with this sort of semi-cliffhanger. I think someone here maybe has gotten some kind of promotion but uh, we'll announce that later on. So uh, thanks to everyone for listening, and remember to be nice to your whole listeners.